0: Welcome to Radio TFS episode number 81. Hi, this is Martin Woodward and this is Greg Duncan. Well, Greg, I hear we've got some news.
1: Uh, yeah, Windows 10. K ca- Oh, you mean the other news. Oh. Yeah, congratulations,
0: sir. <laughs> Finally, the audience of Radio TFS all got together, and on behalf of the whole audience, both of us, we, did, we nominated you for MVP, <laughs> so we could not have to put with the harp in about you not being an MVP, so congratulations, you're an yes. MVP now. Well
1: done. Thank you, yes, I was notified just yesterday via email that uh, I am officially a Microsoft MVP. Um, this is this.
0: Congratulations, in what category?
1: Uh, Visual Studio ALM.
0: Perfect. That's the most competitive category as well. But obviously you've uh, done really well and you've got in there. That's brilliant.
1: Well, now it's going to be the hard part is keeping it.
0: Yeah, no. You know, it's
1: like, oh, okay, now I I can't whine about it. I've already got it. Now I have to actually earn this – or not earn it, but continue to earn this privilege. So, uh, yeah. Have you been
0: contacted to get on – because the MVPs – one of the best things about being an MVP is getting on some of these internal email aliases. Have you been contacted about some of those
1: yet? No, not yet.
0: Oh, that's the most exciting thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking at the MVP site. Uh, there's yeah. a special site for all the MVPs with all of our benefits and stuff that we can get and links and and stuff. And I was looking on there for, for that and didn't see anything. But
0: uh, Oh, no. It, somebody, uh, somebody will reach out to you soon. Okay. Yeah.
1: And if not, then um, I do plan on going up to the uh, to the Microsoft campus, uh, November third to the sixth, at the MVP Global Summit. So.
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, That's brilliant. Th-
1: that'll be you get cool.
0: everybody there—that'll be great. Yeah. I'm afraid I won't be there this year. It's one of the first uh, MVP Summit in a long time. I won't be able to make. But uh, got some family stuff at home. I need to stay home for. So well, yeah, unfortunately, I'll miss you guys. But I'll, I'll miss everybody. And I, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not not going just because you are going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, sure. Hopefully you get okay. that MVP renewed, and I'll be able, we'll be able to spend something <laughs> together sometime. That's brilliant! News. Congratulations again; it's, it's well deserved, obviously. Long the- and and
1: again, I, I have, to have to thank you, Brian Keller. Um, oh, I can't pronounce her name, Esther. Esther. Mm-hmm. Esther. Uh, you guys actually made this made it happen. You know, I, I well, it's be able more to
0: Esther it. and Chuck than uh, me and Brian. Me and me and Brian just work with you, and you you do all our work for us. So know, you deserve it. It's good. So congratulations. And uh, yeah, it's just it's great to see. So have you, ha- do you currently have an, um, the best thing for me was the MSGN subscription. Do you already have an MSGN subscription?
1: I already have one at work. I already have an Did unlimited, have as a matter of fact.
0: Oh, well, well, well there we go then. Get yeah. another one. <laughs> It'd be cool. Great. Well, congratulations. And you, you mentioned uh, Windows 10. So are, are you running Windows 10 the
1: technical preview right now? On a both on a VM on my uh, a new notebook because I told you all the story about how I poured you know coffee into my yeah Alienware so I got a new replacement notebook and um, on the other story that I told you about when I was did that hardware review for those Intel ultrabooks yeah. so yeah I used one of those and put Windows ten on it yesterday
0: wow uh, and that Must was been
1: going you. But, okay these ultrabooks are really kind of weird. Um, The install went really smooth, really Mm -hmm. smooth. Um, Downloaded the ISO, used used the Windows 7 USB um, utility.
0: uh, From Coplex? Yes. Number one downloaded project on (laughs) Coplex, that is.
1: Um, Built the ISO, plugged it in, did startup, installed, 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 installed. Um, Final reboot, it rebooted fine. I was able to log in with my PIN, um, but the network driver – Couldn't find the network driver. Mm. So I I had a driver already set aside for that, installed that, got it on the network fine. Um, But there's an issue with the thermal, uh, the Intel thermal driver system on here and the drivers. Uh, Basically, when it's plugged in, the fan is running you know, all the time. So that's Ah, interesting. When it's on battery fans off, it's going, it's passive cooling. As So when I plug it in, it goes active and there's, Ah, I
0: wonder if you could go into the power options temporarily and go, no, there's,
1: there's no cooling options as there used to be on here. So again, I do not blame, Windows 10 at all. This one was already had weird driver issues before the update. I had a number of unknown devices in Device Manager, uh, so it was pretty much kind of just a hell mary. I wonder if it's going to work at all. And yeah, it's really nice. It actually works great. Mm-hmm. The VM install, doing a clean install, was extremely painless. So I've got two installs, and God, Ed, you know it. I don't have to tell you, but uh, you know the listeners out there. I've heard people, you know, normals, quote unquote, whine that you have to log into your Windows 8 machine, (laughs) and that there maybe that on that first machine when they only have one, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you add machines two, three, and four, and device six and seven, and and you see how all of your stuff intelligently syncs across them all. Oh, I love that, you know, so that VM that I created, um, I logged in as me and all of my settings, everything that I had set to sync was already syncing over. So, I mean, it was just, you know, you love that. And I've got a Windows phone, the HTC 8X. Um, speaking of. Yeah. And it
0: finally got the 8.1 update. Yes.
1: Yes. It did. So, uh.
0: And that, that, that syncs all your password data over as well. So then when you go to IE and you go to log in the site, it remembers your username and
1: password. It's amazing. Yep. Yep. I, I use LastPass for all my password stuff, but yeah. there still there's a Windows Phone app for that. Um, yeah. And even your favorites are synced across there. The open tabs are synced across machines and all that stuff. So you know, having those two devices. You combined with
0: OneDrive, it's just so painless nowadays to just do a fresh image of a new machine you know what i mean it's yeah. just it's crazy so and then with the you know the windows store apps um it, it installs those as well when you start up a new machine so or you can get it to so as we move to more and more windows store apps it's just yeah. going to get easier and easier to move machines
1: got a question for you you have a yeah. mac right you use a mac
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've got one sat right next to me here
1: the chrome yeah. on windows 10 on the desktop apps you know the lack of borders whenever i look at my system i think it looks mac ish you know what i mean uh,
0: uh, uh because of a note because of there's no border on the window because there's no
1: border mean? yeah and there's oh. a slight shadow now you know windows yeah 8, there's there is. no shadow
0: mm. so um the so i'm looking at it side by side as we speak and i hadn't noticed that at all it hadn't it hadn't st- that hadn't, uh, you know, come out to me, and right. I, but I think the reason is that the Windows Eight stop's very square and, you know, very modern and flat entirely, <laughs> whereas the um the the mac stuff in um it's probably it's different in uh you i haven't i haven't got your seminite running i've got um you know whatever the current version of mac os 10 is that's that's alive but the, that that's very still like metally and chromy gray ingredients and and it's rounded corners and things so it doesn't it doesn't and yeah it doesn't look the same to me oh, okay. i really like because the windows ten's looking really sort of fresh and I don't know. I, I I suspect the reason for doing it was um, have you have you had many uh, the you know the modern apps Metro style Apps, whatever you want to call them as running on the desktop in desktop mode rather than running as a big full screen thing have you have you tried that yet? Uh,
1: a, a little bit, mostly just to just see how they work. You know, having mail. The one the I do is the... P-
0: PC settings is the best one. <laughs> the fact that PC settings you can have as a window now and it looks really good. It's just like oh, it just just looks great. I'm going to be using these apps so much more now and you can just minimize them and maximise them and move them around on Windows. It's brilliant. But anyway, um the um what was I going to say about that? No, it's just, it's, um, you can, it really helps with the, um, you know, it helps the, the Metro style apps blend in with, you know, traditional Win32 desktop apps because there's no, none about window Chrome and stuff. It just, they, they just all look like peers, which they are on the system. You know, it just, it's, it's been done really well. The the thing uh, I, I love it as well, the start menu I've been enjoying. I actually quite like it. i start screen. You know, you know but.
1: I was going to say the same thing. It's like I'm having a little bit of a problem getting used to the new start menu versus yeah. the Windows 8 start screen. It just You're right. I kind of got used to it, and now it, it, it's – a transition. I, it's one that I, I, we definitely need. I mean, Windows 10 is absolutely the one I'm going to push here to install. Um, yeah. My parents will get it because they're coming from XP. So I, I kind of dreaded, you know, uh, the discussions about Windows 8. Uh, so no, Windows 10 is definitely going to be what they get. Uh, I, I, it's pretty nice.
0: I mm-hmm. No, I'm really liking it. The the, the two icons next—you know—the search icon and the task switch icon next to a start button. Yeah, I kind of want to switch those off or unpin them. That's the only thing. <laughs> so,
1: far. yeah, I, I the, the the search has definitely got to be able to be made go away. Um,
0: yeah, I, apart from that. Love it. Maybe, maybe, but you can use the Windows feedback tool to send that information back to them. So, and the, um, no, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just, I, like I say, I quite like the old start screen because I had it all set up. But, yeah. you know, I have two, I got two, um, my, one of my monitors broke last week. I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> these, these are monitors I've had since Team Prize days, uh-huh. since the beginning of the Team Prize days. So, they're ancient things. but And they weren't, they were like, well, one was from Team Prize and one was like my own one that came with a computer, you know, about 15 years ago so they're they're like really old and mismatched, and you know, but i didn't dare I didn't want to throw any away because they work you know what i mean im I'm, I'm quite stingy when it comes like that and then um one of them one of them broke last week, and I was like, yes, finally, so i I went and ordered got Microsoft to order me a couple of uh, new dell ultra sharp sort of twenty four inch ones that I matched and they're just you know with zero and absolutely no bezel, And it just looks beautiful it's just like oh it's great, but um it just all looks, all looks fantastic on the uh, with Windows i I'm but, really enjoying it so far.
1: Yeah, and you know what? The, you know, for the people who, uh, you know, out there you know, that you've got Windows eight, and you're used to the Start screen, um, and you're used to being able to see all of those live updates. Just glance you, at your you machine. Still do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you but, can still do that with 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 the with the, with the, you know, the tiles that are in the Start screen. You can still pin them as tiles and things.
1: But you have to pop up the Start screen to see them. You know, I'd almost like to be able to tear that live tile part off. And
0: oh, you mean p- like widgets in in, in Vista? Wherever kind it was.
1: of. Kind of. I huh. just want to tear that part off and dock it to the right. Well, you could.
0: What you could. Well, is it just? For, so, is it for all of them as well, or would it? Or is it just for one particular app or a couple of apps?
1: Um. Well, I've gotten so used to the tiles from the phone, from my Windows Phone, and just I flip mm. it on and I see on that one above the fold, I have all the apps where I want to see all the updates on it. So I, I want that up on the screen so I don't have to click
0: on it. Yeah, fascinating. There we go. This is good. I'm I'm enjoying this. This is great. <laughs> I'll make sure the guys on the team listen. Have a listen. This is cool. I'm glad enjoying and I um so I, um, I mean, when we spoke I'd been I'd got the uh, the Windows 8.1 update for the HTC X before it was fixed to work on the HTC A X and I was having a dreadful time of it. <laughs> and I remember like off, off recording I was muttering a bit to you when you were complaining about not getting it and saying, no, oh, you don't want <laughs> And anyway, they pushed out a fix really quickly, and then, it, as I say, it's, great. it's now public. Um, but so I, I'd gone back to the, you know, the retail build of phone, and I was missing so much from that <laughs> day and like and cortana wasn't enabled in it for the uk phones oh. so i didn't have any of cortana and i didn't have any of the oh you know just being able to pull like i kept pulling down from the top of my screen and going why, why is my phone not working you know what i mean why, why can't i get these why can't i get my little quick buttons and why can't you know oh yeah so it, are you enjoying it it's good isn't it
1: yeah 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 i i am definitely happy that got this and got the dev preview for the windows phone yay we're back we're back to
0: running zero stable operating systems fantastic this is this is is how i like to be this is uh i I was nearly on rtm everything for a week (laughs) or two there so yeah no it's good Uh, the 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 one thing about the phone that um i know why they've done it but i still it's the i really used to like the way that the facebook updates and all the like the social updates were integrated into the people hub thing really well because i used to have my wife and pinned as a as a contact on the front of my phone and you know it used to show me all her updates and i could click on it and i could see what's new and the problem was whenever facebook did any new features you know it it didn't come to the phone because it couldn't you know what i mean so (laughs) but um because it was built into the os but no i miss that part but everything else is really good i love it i wouldn't go back
1: yeah the promise that the hubs originally it would have been awesome to see that you know yeah mature and follow through Uh. and be you know extensible um but yeah
0: and it's just little things as well like the fact that all the store apps just automatically update now
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i dig that
0: I was in. I was. I can't remember which. I was on somebody else, like a different operating system. It must have been like iOS or something like that. It must be an old version of iOS. But anyway, but the apps didn't automatically... I, I was on a phone and the apps weren't all updated. And I was like, what's going on? I was like, you have to manually update apps on this operating system? I don't even know what it is. Was like, That's crazy because I've got like, Android devices and iOS devices and all sorts of different devices, you know, to play with and things. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of got used to the apps just keeping themselves up to date. So the fact, you know, when I... When it, it was, I remember now touching phones and coming across a phone where there weren't apps up to date. And that's like coming across a phone that's still got the little piece of sticky plastic on it that you get when you buy. I just couldn't not press the button to update them all.
1: You know, actually, I think one of the things that where we're really seeing the universal. Like, I love this idea of the universal, and like, especially with the presentation that they did um, earlier this week with that screen, that that bitmap that everybody is seeing. You know, one OS, one platform, many devices, and all the devices from four inches to eighty-eight inches. Um, mm-hmm. And the promise of the universal apps, and we're seeing it through, uh, you know, real world impact of that. Is I've been playing the Age of Empire uh, Castle Siege.
0: Important real world impact. Carry on.
1: (laughs) But just having that, I can do it on my phone, and everything is there. And I can do it on my notebook, Mm -hmm. and everything is there. And I can bring out my Surface, and, and, and it just all works, and it all works the same, and it all looks good everywhere. Um, And to realize that, you know, I can build an app just like that using the tools that I've got today to uh, spread the development across all the devices and stuff. And the the promise of Windows 10 and the enterprise focus. Oh, my. uh, Hanselman wrote about it, you know, and everybody's writing about it. Rafael Rivera's writing about it. The new command window. Oh, my God. Yeah. We get Control V. Woo! I mean, we can That's copy. Not it and paste. Right. That's not in
0: there right now, is it? It's not yes, in the, the minute.
1: It is, is it? in there now. Yep, it's, it's an a experimental feature. Uh, but yeah, oh, no, do I, I could can... go
0: in and enable it. Do I? Okay. Yeah, right, I can go.
1: control V. You know, control C, control V today. Oh, Experiment.
0: Oh. Look at this. Ah, oh, fantastic! There we go.
1: I mean, that... enable
0: line wrapping selection. What does that filter? Oh, convert. Ooh. Hmm. oh that's clever convert smart quotes to quotes i like that feature this is new i'm learning look at this extended edit keys wow oh.
1: so that yeah. thing is going to sell <laughs> the yeah well the command
0: shell hasn't been touched since it was like it was written basically over a weekend when they were doing windows <laughs> nt you know by it was just this one uh program and she was she's like amazing incredibly productive program but she just wrote it i you mean know, basically over a weekend and it's hardly been touched ever since so uh if you read um is it called showstoppers i think it is is that the right book ship uh, showstopper it's a dave cutler book uh let me have a quick look i'll put a link in the show notes anyway um but uh, um, it's a great book about the, hist- you know, the, the, the NT project and things. And when you read through it, it's, it's worth reading through because um, oh, I need to know what the book's called now, <laughs> because when you, when you read through it, it really helps you understand, like, the culture of Microsoft and all that sort of stuff. Uh, showstopper? Is that no? That doesn't seem right. I've got it here somewhere. I'll have a look. Anyway, I'll find it and put it on. Everyone's shouting at the, at the, the radios right now. Trying to <laughs> tell them exactly what it is. Oh, I'm seeing. Anyway, I'll find it. Right. So let's go with a show. Really, we've been wearing on now, and not even talk about TFS. There's been plenty going on in Visual Studio Online as well as we've been doing this. Do you want to? Should I go in and go through what's new, or did you have something you wanted to talk about first?
1: Um. Let's table this. I, okay. I, I have a question about uh, dependency management from a, a store procedure kind of point of view. But let's talk about the new stuff. And if we have enough time, we'll chat about it because I'd like to get other people's um, – get our listeners – ideas too.
0: So we call this the framework problem. is a classic example. But anyway, we'll we'll, you know, a team has a framework and they're trying to share it with other projects. Is that what you Not, Not
1: even that. Not even cuz that we've got you know, you've got NuGet and and that kind of for internal sh- binary sharing and dependency management. That's one thing, but we're uh um we're rolling out a, a solution here, and part of the – it has two APIs. It has a binary API, series of DLLs and objects, and all that good of stuff, but it's got, a, it's got a start procedure API that other people can take a dependency on and use. Mm. And you know, what do you do for 18 months from now when you're on the 37th different application? They want to make a change to that start procedure how does the start procedure writer understand the impact that it's going to have on all the other applications in other teams within his company of that change? How do they right. even know who's got a dependency on that? Yeah. Without people yep. doing grepping, you know, code searching and stuff. You know, that's lame. So, I mean, right now we're going to do it. We're going to do it simple and stupid, and just create a a, a table on SharePoint, and you know people just log it. I this app, this module, take the dependency on this store procedure, and just go it that way. But uh, one of my coworkers said, "Well, doesn't TFS do that?" And we're like, "No." Then how does everybody else do it? Well, everybody else reinvents the wheel, and so that was it. Okay. We
0: should, have, we, should have to, we should have people come in to do that. I wonder if some of the data tools can help. I actually don't know. So yeah, there we go. It's a good question. It was called Showstopper, that book, by the way. So uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. But um, yeah, anyway, right. Well, let's crack on. So we did uh, some important changes. Probably the most important change that's been announced is around the way we're adjusting licensing. Mm hmm. So we're adding this thing called um, stakeholder licensing so you know the question where you know you want to um, you've got your developer team you your your company's a great example you've got your team of devs they're all working on the stuff, and then you've got the whole rest of the business that you want to be able to come in and log bugs and check bugs and all that sort of thing and 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 you know see the the get the benefit of the transparency of tFs but they're not really benefiting from you know they're not really using tfs and benefiting from the automation they're seeing all the data coming out of it and they're being able to log bugs and things but they're not actually you know um they're not actually really developing so um what we've done is we've introduced a new type of license called uh, um, a stakeholder license and basically um it, it is for zero charge um but you can have as many of them in your in your team project as you want and you can basically open up your team project to the entire business and they can come in and have a look at what's going on and log bugs and things and and they'll get charged which is which is great it really helps you roll it out across the whole company and get everybody involved so yeah, I, think, I don't know what did you hear that was that big news for you
1: this was big news i think we talked about this in past shows um when it was announced that they were going to happen and and today we're announcing well Actually, it was a couple months ago that it was rolled out to VSO, and this is actually huge, and I can't wait for TFS. I think it's going to come in uh, TFS 2013 Update 4 is the plan. Okay.
0: Uh Okay. I know it's definitely coming into the on-premise product, and that's just massive yeah. to be able to uh, you know, do that.
1: That is going to be – everybody knows I've got TFS on the uh, you know TFS admin here, and we're still on 2012 update two. I keep threatening to uh, upgrade TFS, and I've got all the ALM Ranger documentation, and I go through it about once a week, and I say, I should do this. We should do this. And now that update three is out, um, I, 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 now I'm waiting on update four because this one feature, I don't know about you guys out there and the listeners and stuff, but I've been, every place that I've gone to has developed their own bug tracking solution. You know, there's spreadsheet galores, there's databases galore and, you know, all these access databases and all these things that the business users use to help track their requests. Um, So, With this stakeholder license where, where we can, where it's open enough where everybody can see every work item. I mean, this solves that problem. And right now we're in the middle of deciding whether we go with this in-house developed project tracking solution or we go with TFS. And the one thing is that the in-house one, we could give access to all 125 people. TFS, we couldn't. Until update four comes out, or until um, you know, yeah, this feature comes out and this licensing change comes out, then we can, and that'll be that'll be huge. Very excited about this.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to make a huge difference to using TFs internally. So, good news. And I just noticed in Somers' blog post, I'm actually my picture's being used. That's awesome. That must have been Brian Keller who did that. Always <laughs> made always surprising when you see your own picture. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm quite, I'm quite honoured. I'm in good company there. There we go. Brilliant. Right then. Thanks, so Brian. I'm guessing that was Brian who did that. You've been a
1: good job blogging recently,
0: or yeah, I guess I have. Gosh, yeah. That was so. We we switched on um. A feature uh, called Project Homepages. Basically, we're we're starting enabling Markdown support inside of Visual Studio Online. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're using a cool JavaScript library called Marked. Which, if you if you ever need Markdown, go use Marked. It's just amazing. The performance is just phenomenal. Um, so much so that we actually. We were setting up this big infrastructure to um, to go like do the markdown rendering on the server and convert into HTML, which is kind of how everybody else has done it when they've done markdown rendering in the past and how we did it in the past. Um, But then we just were we're like, well, let's you know, not to quit prototype. Let's try it in the client, and it works. I was (laughs) like, huh. I was like, let's try it on the phone (laughs) in the browser, and it worked. I was like, huh. (laughs) <laughs> and then so by making the markdown rendering be all done client side actually in the browser it means i don't know this is daft but it means all the rest apis are so clean as well now because they just basically return the markdown string you know and then the client chooses how to render it <laughs> It's <just> so simple <laughs> it was like huh that was a lot easier than we were expecting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we thought, oh, well, let's switch it on. So the the, the reason for Project Welcome Pages is, you know, when you, you create a team project and then it's like, well, so now what? You know, where do people go? What information do they need to have? That sort of thing. Right. It, it's to really help. Again, it goes very, it goes hand in hand with the stakeholder stuff. You know, it, it, it helps it helps people know where to go and what to get in. And we did it via a very convention-based approach. So rather than configuration, it's just convention-based. And if you have a file called readme.md in the, in the, the root folder of your, your Team Foundation you know, version control uh, folder, or if you have it in the root of your, your repo, then it shows, it shows that file. And in the in Team Foundation Server, if you have other Markdown files in the root, it shows them in a little nav tree. So it's you know it's almost like the beginnings of a wiki, really. But uh, just showing you some documentation there that's in source control. Um, and similarly with. Um, With with Git, it will show you all the Git repos that have got Markdown in, and you can just go click on them and and and, and browse there. And it's it's very much the beginnings of the feature. You know, we're just sort of enabling it. And uh, hopefully in the next few sprints, there'll be some more iterations on it. But yeah, so it's good. Give it a try.
1: That was going to be my question. Is is what's the future on this? Are are we going to see a lot of that GitHub stuff come into here? And are we going to see this in CodePlex?
0: CodePlex already has it. It's actually one of the features that, um Coplex has already that we're trying to put into VSO. Oh. You you can just check a readme.md file into any project in Coplex and it renders it. You can we've had yeah, you can click on any markdown file in Coplex and it'll render it in the source control explorer. Now, what it doesn't do is Coplex has already always had, you know, the ability to show those welcome, the, the pages at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is actually where it came from was, the, you know, the notion that Coplex has this welcome page feature, but VSO doesn't. Right. And now but the thing is with the Coplex ones, they're not – the Coplex, like, homepage is edited as in wiki format and isn't stored in version control. Mm-hmm. Um, An advantage of storing it in version control is you can actually – easily collaborate on it so you can take a pull request for for changes to your your pages you know so you can actually collaborate on documentation a lot easier you can you can consistently modify um several of these files in one commit or one change set you know and, and just do that and and have versioning and so it's like oh, huh let's use source control for this so so that's what that's the approach we 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 went and yeah as i say it's very much the beginning so the team uh, um a one team delivered it, and then it kind of it's moved over to another team to kind of build it out and keep fleshing out some more. So I'm hoping we're going to see some improvements, not not in this next deployment, but in a couple of deployments after that. You know, definitely by the end of the year, I hope to see some more some more improvements as we go along. So we shall see. <laughs> All good stuff. Um, and then as well, speaking about updates, um, we we shipped. Uh, so now, uh, who was it? Uh, let's go to Twitter. Somebody was ask we shipped update to no update for CTP two so, um of Visual Studio twenty thirteen. Catchy name. And uh John Montgomery did a pretty good blog post actually, um just sort of just recapping some of the things that are, that are in, in that release. Especially some of the uh Visual Studio tools for Unity stuff that went out there as well, which is pretty cool. But um and obviously, oh wow, so much stuff came out. So, um, but one of our uh, listeners, can you remember who it was? Have you got it written down, or do I need to? I need to find it now quickly, don't I? One of our listeners was asking why it is um, update for CTP two and the answer is that we do several ctps and then we kind of ship that when we think it's ready mm. then we ship the then we ship the rtm version so um typically how it works is um we we ship us every sprint you know how we, so we've got very agile and whatever right. um and the whole thing about agile is it's supposed to be potentially shippable at the end of every sprint so we you know the tfs side very much um, have been have gone from potentially shippable to shipped every sprint that's what happened with a service mm-hmm. and the ctps of visual studio are the same so rather than just being potentially shippable versions of visual studio we ship them as ctps so they about they are what what got built at the end of that sprint <laughs> that's exactly what you know so it is bleeding edge stuff um and then we do a few you know a few ctps and then we ship an rtm when it's when it's kind of stabilized and things like that so there we go Um, so, um, yeah, if you, um, so as well, as you know, when uh, that came
1: out, I had to laugh. I I did a Twitterism and and tweeted, Oh wow. Visual studio 14 CTP two was released. (laughs) And then I went back and looked at it. It's like, Oh, crap not 14 it's update 4 for 13 ctp2 yeah i know sorry so it's all like oh it's not your fault this is why i just i couldn't read yeah i know it's
0: so complicated now <laughs> there's so much stuff coming out it's quite hard to keep track of the um so as well as that we also ship team explorer everywhere an update to uh you know te um this is actually an update i not a single I didn't write a single line of code that went into this. In fact, I didn't know it was happening until um, <laughs> until it arrived uh, in, in the downloads, and I saw Will getting so sort this. Of there's some systems which happen when you're getting something ready to publish. And I saw Will doing some of this because I still get notified when these happen because I'm on them all because I just, mm-hmm. I created them. And I was like, oh, wow, good. they're doing a release. What's in this? So I gave him a quick call. The, the um, A lot of changes around the Team Explorer in TE. So this is Team Explorer everywhere, for people who don't know, is obviously the Eclipse plugin, which I used to work on. Um, and some of the cool things are, um, it basically really improved, like, the kind of the Git experience inside of Team Explorer for Eclipse. Now, Eclipse has its own, um, Git plugin called eGit mm-hmm. um, and, and and Team Explorer Everywhere uses that um, but this is a sort of UI that helps you get connected to your team project and then, and then get connected to your Git repositories within that team project and then import them into Eclipse so it's very much hands off into eGit you know so if you're used to eGit and you're used to Eclipse's Git functionality you still use that we don't replace any of that we just make it so much you know just make it a lot easier to get connected but then also you see all your work items and all your builds and everything is all fully integrated inside of visual studio just like it is with eclipse so um so that's cool and then another thing that's really interesting that we, we never did before was um we never it's amazing the number of people that want to use the java command line client on windows previously and, and we, we always supported it. It always worked, but it was mainly because it made it easier for us to test, you know, on all the different operating <laughs> systems. We, we never really expected anybody to use it. We thought people would use the .NET command line client because it's actually got more stuff in the .NET version, you know, because it, it, it's it's the one that the Visual Studio uh, version control team originally built. Whereas the the one, you know, the Java one was written by the, uh, our team over at TeamPrize. so you know, had it had, to, it had a slightly different stuff in. Um, anyway, we found more and more people wanted wanted to actually. use it everywhere for a few reasons one is that it doesn't require any installation you can just x copy it um and another one is that it's got it's got some little features in that the dot net one doesn't have like you can have a a format high f- a format colon xml as an output option and it, it, it outputs xml as its output type which makes it really easy to parse and things so yeah so so what they did they just did um Uh, some stuff to make sure you hooked up into the same um, authentication store that visual studio and eclipse use on windows so if you've logged in on one then the command line picks up those credentials and vice versa just make it just to you know improve integration it did that on mac and linux we just never did it on windows because you know we had no reason to because we didn't think people were using it there turns out i was wrong and and we'll we'll fix that so good on you team that's great stuff um so yeah so there we go i think that's Oh, no, it's not even the roundup of the updates. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Do you want to do the next
1: one? I'm bored of speaking. We have to do these shows more often, I think.
0: Um, Yeah, go on. Carry on. Uh, That's my fault.
1: One last thing. Uh, Brian Harry had a nice post about Team Explorer Everywhere, um, 2013.2, the update 2. And he references a post for uh, a getting started post for Mac Linux Eclipse users. He, he also talks about what I found rather ironic about long path support on how they've enabled long path support on non-Windows clients. Just that in my world, long path support is just an open sore Really? That so is, that was like
0: rubbing salt into that open source. Pretty much. You go much. use a Mac or Linux and you're fine. Yeah. But on Windows, you're, you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, you know, we have to install Cygwin or the depreciated um, uh, sub, uh, subservices for Unix uh, yeah. that, that they have available so we can get easy long path support. Yeah, anyway. Um, so other updates we had also to um, Visual Studio Online, they talked about uh, on September 23rd, uh, they released a bunch of nice enhancements to uh, work item improvements. You know, mm-hmm. one of those kind of things that you just don't run into until you have a whole bunch of people out in the wild doing wild things with your apps. Uh, an example is, I guess they were talking about people who were creating work items with like really, really, really long um, bodies. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. you really shouldn't do that, but you do it and it's your tool. Use it as you want to do it. So they both enable, uh, uh, maximize. So, you know, that text area, that HTML rich text area, you can maximize it, minimize it. Uh, there are l- links that you can now navigate when you're into there and they improve that performance for those really big work items. Mm.
0: Cool. No, so, it's great. It's great little changes. It's good to see us again, improving on things iteratively and just making it better and better every time. I went back. I had to go back to like a. You know, you're on TFS 2012. Oh my uh-huh. goodness me! I, I, like, I had to go back to a, an RTM version of TFS 2013 the other day, and I was like, "Well, what is this legacy code? This is a, this is a nightmare. How does anybody use this?" So yeah. <laughs> I was on a custom, I was with a customer uh, about three or four weeks ago and they were on TFS twenty ten. I was just like looking at them, I thought, like, Why? <laughs> I was like, You're missing out on so much. And then they were asking for all these features, I'm like, Yeah, it's in twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, done that, it's in twenty thirteen and like, Oh, I don't upgrade and I'm like, Well, how are you gonna get the features if you don't upgrade? You know, I can't magically go back into the past and go build the features for you, sorry. But anyway, Ryan right <clears throat> What Moving are
1: other, on, yeah. One of the other updates that was also done was uh, um, Hubot. They integrated Hubot. What?
0: Yeah, this is Tiago. So Tiago is one of the one of our ALM rangers. So yes. Is cool. What is Hubot? Um,
1: so, Tell, can you can you explain to oh, me in wow. twenty seven seconds or less?
0: Yeah, maybe not. So <laughs> Hubot is a. Um, It's a robot that listens into your chat room and can do stuff. Um, So you can have scripts and things set up. So uh, quite often... Typically, it's hooked up into campfire. Was one of the chat rooms it's hooked in, up into, hooked up into. But then Thiago uh, actually shows you how to hook it up into team rooms as well. You know, which is the, the, the chat room that's in TFS. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have the robot just sitting in there, being you know, like your assistant to the team and being part of the team. So we would have Hubot notify us when um, user voice uh, comments come in, or somebody logs in something through Connect, or somebody. Um, well obviously work items and stuff come in anyway but you can make Hubot do stuff like deploy a build or um, you know other things and we use Hubot to inject a bit of humor into the team room as well so um, there's a cool little image me kind of um, you know it's like with IRC you can do like little shortcut commands to it and say image me and then type in a phrase and then it'll go look up the, the search phrase in image search on the search engine and bring in the image into the chat room for you to everybody to laugh at and animate me pulls in an animate gif of something so yeah, you pug bomb will just do a load of pictures of pugs and things you know it's just staff stuff or or when you say you know night, it'll it'll make witty comments back and things so you just build it up over time. But it's just, it just adds a little bit of humor into the team room but it also can it's incredibly useful and can go actually automate things and by doing it as part of a team room Mm-hmm. It means it's like continu You know, with continuous integration, how everybody could do stuff,
1: right. and it
0: was in one place. But everybody did the. Everybody could do a build really easily by just checking in the code. Um. Now everybody can deploy the build very easily, and it's not. You don't have to install a bunch of command line stuff on your machine to do it, which you do. Any anyway, you know maybe you have to do, right. but you can have it all set up from a server to be able to deploy the stuff. And you can just go in and type deploy, or you can do any number of things that you want to script and enable anybody in the team to be able to do um, from one place, and it's all configured, and everybody can do it, and there's zero, you know, setup cost to an individual coming in. So, so there we go. That's what Hubot does, and it can abuse people on the team, and you can use it for jokes. And it's just like a, a virtual member of a team. in um, In one of our team rooms, that we it's actually a team, room, it's a it's a, a a campfire room that we share. So you know, we work on uh, LibGit. Too, which is right. the, this source project we actually have like a campfire room with uh, github guys and other people in the community um so null token who's another uh newly minted mvp in <laughs> the alm category um he's in there and a few other really really cool people who, who who are community people in the LibGit2 community and they just all like we just all abuse each other in campfire all day long and have fun just you know uh, just, well, it's a good way to vent. It's like a third room for, it's like a virtual team room, which is why they are called team rooms in TFS because you get to just chat to each other and talk about stuff. And if you're not sure about something, you can ask questions, and it's just great. And then, you, you know, Hubot comes in and injects some humor. And he's called um he's called Balmer in the uh in the in 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 the in the, the LibGit2 campfire room because in honor of when we joined the project, you know. And so he, he's got the he's got the personality of ste a, a robot Steve Balmer Butler. Like, I think it's quite cool. Anyway, there we go. Not quite 27 seconds, but never mind. We should probably do the uh, Divi advert, we're way over halfway. We're like a full show already, oh. but never mind.
1: Well, let's go ahead and do it. Episode 81 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at com or via email sales at s a a s M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y dot com. And again, thanks to them for helping us, helping us bring you this show.
0: Fantastic. So we had some other news. Um, we, we we were in it last time, but Gartner did a fresh version of the um, test. Well, this was the, the test suites rep, uh, report this time in terms of, um, you know, testing tools. Uh, so this isn't just we, we remember there was a Gartner um, report a while ago about ALM tooling. Mm-hmm. And then they've done a new one now about test tooling. And, uh, yeah, Microsoft's up there again in the leader quadrant, which is good to see. So, um, so <laughs> that, that was some news out there.
1: Magic Quadrant for integrated software quality suites. Can't
0: yeah, there we go. Testing, but, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess it's more than that. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's great to see the progress that's been made over in our test side. You know, considering that we didn't have anything in that space at all, not not too long ago, mm-hmm. to come in and go straight into that leader quadrant is pretty cool. So, I work with that team quite a bit, and they've done a fantastic job. So, that's all good stuff. Um, what else have we we got? Brian Keller's been busy, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, friend of the show's updated his the the BKVM, the Brian Keller virtual machine that we've talked about a number of times here. He's updated it for visual studio update three. So that is the RTM, the latest RTM update that's out there. He's upgraded the, um, actual underlying virtual machine to SQL server 2012 R2 applied all the windows updates to it. So you'd have to worry about that. He did increase the size of the VHD. He added the TFS 2013 power tools, um, and a number of smaller fit and finish things. And then he goes into a whole bunch of other details about all the hands-on labs and everything else. Um, that have been updated and tweaked including how to connect to visual studio online if you're using his alm virtual machine so that's kind of reaching out of the out of the vm into the world to visual studio online um, and all 25 labs have been minor edits and updates so uh, if you're using that virtual machine grab it
0: Yep, definitely. It's um, it's so useful just to play with stuff and uh yeah, well done. That's cool. Um speaking we were speaking of stakeholder licensing earlier on in the show. Brian Keller actually did a video with a guy called um James Rice, who's he who kinda he's what is he what's his official title? Director of business planning. No, I just looked him up. <laughs> kinda looks after yeah. licensing and stuff is how I know him. And you'll 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 get to you'll oh, there'll be a session with him at the MVP summit where basically the MVP's beam around the head. But anyways, <laughs> um it is a great guy and he sort of uh brian interviewed him to explain because we, we talked about stakeholder plans and he kind of explains exactly what that's for and how that works and how you know you get your you get your five free basic uses with a tfs online a visual studio online account and then um if you go mstn subscribers they obviously get free access to visual studio online but what if you want to add people who aren't um you know, MSDN subscribers, there aren't one of your five free ones and you want them to be proper developers. You know, you don't want them just using the stakeholder plan functionality. So um, he goes through some of the mechanics of how you actually go buy users, how you go buy extra test minutes, how you go buy extra build minutes, that sort of thing. And you basically you do it all through the um, the Azure portal, you know, the mm-hmm. Azure management tools. But, yeah, he goes through and explains
1: all that. So that's pretty cool. That's so a 12-hour show? Oh, no, 15 it's
0: minutes. It's a 15-minute video. Hey. How are, you know? How hard could it be to give us money? that <laughs> we have to do a 15 minute 35 second video to explain it? Anyway, um and I know um that you like your free training, Greg. So, yeah. uh, the uh you South know, African team have been I busy. I was going to talk together.
1: about fellow co-host Paul Hackers, um upcoming webinar on release management cuz that's something we really don't talk about much here and I really No,
0: I really should. Okay, we yeah, I'm I'm going to put that in the list of things we need to talk about. How in a
1: second. Release management? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely need yeah. to talk about that more. Um and we're going to talk about a, a a webcast that he and his co-worker Esteban Garcia were going to do. Uh, unfortunately, you know, due to our summer hiatus, um, <clears> we, <throat> we missed it. <laughs> so uh, uh, and it doesn't look like they've got it on on demand. Well,
0: why don't we get Paul on the show to do a to do a podcast <laughs> oh, version of it? There you
1: go. That way we can get Paul back on because we got to get Paul back. Yeah, on.
0: there we uh, go. That's what we'll do. Okay, we'll I will, right. we'll line up. I'll make the schedules work. But the South African team have done a bunch of training, so that's cool. So um, they, they haven't done a bunch of training. Sorry, they're linking out to a yeah, bunch yeah, of training.
1: Lots of roundups. You guys know I love I love the roundups. I love the the training stuff. Uh, the South African team has done the Microsoft Virtual Academy which has recently had a makeover. So if you've ever used that site before, there's a new uh, visual makeover of it. Um, and there's a weird relationship with Microsoft Virtual Academy. All of their videos are usually stored on the Channel 9 site, which I'm heavily involved in. So it's you know both sides, two sides of the same coin, whatever. Um, but you want to go to the Virtual Academy site so you get credit for taking those courses. And there's also the resources and slide decks and source code um, and, you know, self-assessments and all that stuff's on the virtual academy. Um, And they've highlight a number of the courses that are available from, you know, applying ALM jumpstarts to the exam jumpstarts to using Kanban. Um, They they talk about in this post, the the BKVM. Mm -hmm. Yes. PKVM, uh books, uh, my favorite, the ALM Rangers, and again, stuff on Channel 9.
0: Cool. So if I, know, I know some fantastic uh, books there as well. I noticed the <laughs> ALM book and the uh, TFS book. Whoever wrote those, absolutely amazing. Yeah. So uh, yeah. in,
1: in short, if you've got coworkers that want to learn about um, TFS, uh, you need to share that with them. This is one of the first posts you should send them to.
0: The Jumpstart courses are actually – they're like the best sessions uh, that I've ever, you know, of, of the conferences that get done or mm-hmm. um, put together in a in a version you can take online. You know, these are the very best ones that we do. So, yeah, I'm really pleased that they're available on pe- people to do online as well now. So that's great stuff. Um, now, then, we've uh, again, you know, you wait, you wait all, you know, wait couple of months for show, and then we get an epic one coming along. But we, we can't finish without a bit of an ALM Ranger roundup. So, what have the ALM Ranger been up to while well, we've been away? A,
1: a couple of things. A, a number of things, actually. They, they've released a number of updates. Uh, but one of the other things we've talked about their flight plan and their status boards. Uh, Will if he talked about why do they use that flight analogy for their projects? Um, and he's got a lot of actually really cool pictures. My dad worked at Lockheed uh, and is an industrial engineer. So, he, you know, airplane. Planes and and these kind of things were always something I saw growing up. So it's really kind of neat seeing it here. It has absolutely no, you know, doesn't really apply, but they're still pretty darn cool. Um, You gotta have, you gotta love jet planes. Oh, (laughs) you do. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, Willie's and- son was very big into flying as well. He's a, he was a great flyer, so good to see. Let me see.
1: I think I jumped out of one of these. So, yeah, C-130 and a C 141 I jumped out of those. Wow, crazy. Uh, yeah, only only five times, but hey. <laughs> uh, and we've also talked about their ALM readiness treasure map. Uh, they've done a release for Windows 8.1, and this map, helps you find a lot of their resources. Uh, and again, if you're looking for the, the problem probably isn't, does the ALM Rangers have it? It's just, where do you find it? Because they've done a lot of pretty much everything. So uh, check out this store app. It's a nice modern application. We're um, looking at their resources. Cool.
0: And if you're running Windows 10, you can have it running in a window in desktop mode. <laughs> so, it's brilliant.
1: Which is why now... As a developer, as you guys out there listening and developing, you know, building your universal app, start it's thinking Makes so much
0: sense that. now, doesn't it? It's yes. You know, they're, you, they're really, really good.
1: I know you've all kind of debated about it, especially the line of business developers. you are like, well, we're not going to do these full screen things. We're, you know, in a Windows world here at work. Now you can start thinking about that modern application for your app, for your line of business apps, your internal apps. Um, there's been some blog posts about you know uh, they are going to Microsoft. They are going to help us create that one store, but you'll be able to create your own corporate store in that store. So you'll be able to do your own branding. You'll be able to put your own apps. And even it's, it's been stated that you'll be able to put your desktop applications in there. Now, how that's going to work, we'll need to see more. And obviously, we're still early and things can and will change. Um, but they're, they're they're thinking about you, the line of business developer, and how you bring these modern applications uh, into your corporation. So, And now that they're windowed uh, – You know, you can put them right next to your other applications and your users will just see this really nice looking modern application in a normal window that they're used to without freaking them out. Uh, And you've got the modern story, the phone story with those modern applications. So now's the time to start thinking about this. More news is going to be coming from Microsoft. Uh, Reference the developer story in November um, there's going to be obviously a lot covered in Build in April, uh, so keep your ears out. Start thinking about it. Start playing with it. Get those. Use your uh, um, Windows Azure MSDN credits. Oh, I I hate to go on because the show's been so long. But a coworker of mine sits right behind me. Turned around, and he said, "Oh my God, Greg, I've been using those my the." Azure virtual machine to do my development on and th- you mm. could just see the light going off over his head. He just loved that. The fact that, you know, with his tablet could remote do this thing and have the full Visual Studio environment. And I showed him how he can get Visual Studio 14 and start playing with it in minutes. And, you know, he's using it for school to learn uh, development stuff. Uh, he was just like, Why didn't you tell me about this, Greg? It's like I smacked him. It's just yeah, and, and it's brilliant, been isn't it? Telling you about this for months. Did I tell you about the time I forgot my laptop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I told okay, him I told your about story as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that was brilliant. It was, it was so useful. It's just, I mean, it is. The Azure stuff's just great. Well, you have to be careful not to use, not to go too crazy. One, a friend of mine, you know, he got his MSDN subscription. He's like, <laughs> I got an email from him said, these Azure virtual machines are amazing. They're screaming. Now, you know, we've got you can get SSD ones now. Yeah. Have you noticed yeah. as well? It's, these are screaming fast. Because you know, I've been telling him how they've got more bandwidth than God. And he was like, oh, this is just amazing. And I got an email from them about four hours later. Going, well... I guess when you have an, <laughs> a, like a 52 core VM running, it kind of burns through those credits pretty quickly.
1: But uh, I mean, those are the perfect resources. If you don't want to install Windows 8 and, and Visual Studio 13, because to build a modern app, you need to be running Windows 8 Plus. Um, you don't want to do that create a virtual machine, do it out in the cloud. You don't even need to, you know, take up any drive space on your machine. Uh, You know, if you've got those MSDN virtual machine credits or the Azure credits, you got to use them.
0: I'm seeing more and more companies actually getting interested in using and in, in, uh, virtualizing their developer desktops and having them run in the cloud. It's just making so much sense for them because they can, um, you know, quite often we're, we're very lucky in Microsoft that our desktops aren't completely locked down, but I remember being a, a normal, you know, having a real job back in the old days and, you know, you de- your developer desktop's completely locked down. You don't get admin rights and all that sort of stuff. You basically, it's the same as, you know, the, the, the person doing, you know, uh, finance data entry into Excel around the corner, you, you know, there's no difference in your dev desktop at all. Um, and it was really restricting. And so they're saying, you know, they're, they're letting them have um, Azure VMs uh, or, you know, in the cloud that they, with all the bits on, with all the Visual Studio bits on, and they can just do what they want with them because they know they can re-image them really easily. And, um, and they're connected back in using the, you know, we have that networking stuff that like kind of VPNs back into your corporate network. Yeah. Yep. It's just I, I'm seeing it more and more and they just, you know, and then the developers love it as, as well because they can um, uh, they can just, you know, access those machines from anywhere. And uh, the the enterprises are loving it because there's a certain type of enterprise. I don't know. Maybe it's in your business as well, Greg, but there's um, they actually... Um, are really paranoid about developers having a copy of the entire source code on their machines. They would really rather that they didn't have the source code on their machines, which is it's quite hard when you're trying to you know develop on the source code. It's like, but um, but being able to being able to virtualize them, you kind of keeping you know they're keeping control of where all that data's going, and they can know it, They can audit exactly where it is. So it's fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, the source code isn't the problem in our environment. Our our, our stuff is is the data legal environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: that's fine. Customer yeah. data is customer. You know you need you need strict controls over customer data and all that sort of stuff. So um, it's all good. But yeah. yeah, anyway, we should probably wrap up with this. Is going to be this is coming up to an hour long episode <laughs> by the time we put the credits on. So there we go. No, it's good. Sorry, sorry, it's been a while, folks. But hopefully, we'll put another cadence on. We'll see how things go, and we'll try and do some interview shows as well. Okay, so thanks everybody to listening. Um, if you've got any questions or feedback, then uh, give us a shout on radio tfs at outlook.com or you can drop us a voicemail on plus one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. So it's great speaking to you again, Greg, and we'll speak to everybody else next time on radio tfs.